Uh, Let me pray briefly, and then uh, we'll look at Proverbs uh, chapter 8 together. Let's pray. Father God, we do ask, even as we've sung, that you would speak through your word, that your word would accomplish its purposes in our midst, uh, by your spirit, for our good and your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not really a spreadsheet guy. How many spreadsheet people do we have here? We have a few. Very few. Very, very few. But I do have I do have a few spreadsheets. And one of the spreadsheets that I have, um, I created several years ago after talking to my brother-in-law and feeling inspired. Um, and it just it contains uh, uh, every year and uh, how old my oldest child is that year, how old my youngest child is that year, how old uh, the moms, so my mother-in-law and my mom are that year. And it has all the years, and, and it tells me that I have six summers left until my daughter goes to college. Ugh. And it helps me plan several things. One of them is we, we have all of our siblings are out of state. And if we're going to make a point to visit them, we've got to figure out, okay, when are we visiting? What year are we going out there? What year are we going out there? So we have that all organized. And then we have vacation plans. We have kind of a little bucket list. Like, we'd love to take the kids to Grand Canyon. We don't know if we will or when we will, but it's on the list. And we know we have so many summers if we all want to go. And Okay, so we have this kind of laid out. But it does. It, it kind of gets at you, doesn't it? Time is going by so fast. Uh, Owen is probably about nine, you know, he's under 10 years. And then, and then, man, the, the, the time goes so quick. Maybe you've thought through this. Uh, assuming I talk about this often. What, what do we want to make sure our kids know how to do? What do we want to make sure they, they know about? What do we want to make sure they've internalized and taught? And who do we want them to be when they leave our home? What do they need to get, we might say? Are they, are they going to be ready? Are they going to be ready for choices and temptations and friends and finding a spouse and work and communication and relationships and maybe down the road parenting and, and man, will they be wise? Will they have skill for life? Will I have instructed them? I think parents feel this, grandparents. If you are investing in someone, mentoring, discipling, we feel the sense of urgency, the sense of importance of this. So the skill that they will need is not optional. The skill that they will need, they're not going to just stumble across it. They're not going to like be flipping through the channels and get it. They, 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 need, they need to get it in part, in large part, through, through us and through the word. There's a sense of urgency there. If they lack it, there will be consequences. The Bible actually says some of them might be generational consequences. This is not a new thing to think about. Uh, King David, uh, as he was getting at the end of his life, uh, said this to his son Solomon. This is first Kings chapter two. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I am about to go to the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commands, his rules and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That was the charge that Solomon got from his dad, kind of the deathbed charge. This this is what I want to make sure you have before I'm gone and you go out. We come to Proverbs and we have the wisdom of Solomon, right? This father to his sons. 
And we see in chapter 10, verse 1, maybe you would look there with me, the, the Proverbs, in, in the formal sense, these pithy, memorable sayings, that's all going to begin in 10 chapter, chapter 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. It goes on from there. We, we recognize that, that type of wisdom. But he's still readying his son. Chapters 1 through 9 is him getting his son ready to hear the Proverbs, the wisdom that's going to come beginning in chapter 10, verse 1. So he's still setting the stage. He's still in a, in a form of preparation. He's had these 10 serious talks to his son. He's personified wisdom beginning in chapter 2 and then again here, especially in chapters 8 and 9, pleading with his son that his son might be attracted to wisdom, pursue wisdom. Remember chapter 10. I want you to, oh, sorry, go back to chapter 1. Would you do that? Let's just take the time. I often don't have you flip from the passage we're in. Maybe you've noticed that. I make a concerted effort to allow you to be in one passage most Sunday mornings. Not this Sunday morning. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets. She cries out at the entrance of the city gates. She speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Turn to chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way? At the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gate in the front of the town. At the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them, for they are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver. And knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Wow. Right? He wants his son. He wants us to, to gain this wisdom. To want this wisdom. The, these proverbs are going to begin in chapter 10 verse 1. But he's just calling. Look for this. Look for this. Seek this out. So chapters 9 and 10 are really the end of this long section that began in chapter 1, verse 7, all the way through the end of chapter 9 before we get to the second main section beginning in 10.1. And all of Proverbs 1 through 9, these 10 talks from the sun, as well as these now third and fourth just implorings, personifying wisdom as, as a lady and imploring his son, listen. So here in chapters 8 and 9, we have the last two parts of his talk with his son, we might say. Two points. So chapter 8, so many voices. Will you listen to Lady Wisdom? Chapter 9, just two choices. Will you feast with Lady Wisdom? Those are our points this morning. Chapter 8, so many voices. 
Will you listen to Lady Wisdom? Chapter 9, just two choices. Will you feast with Lady Wisdom? I think you'll see these as we go. Let's go through chapter 8 and chapter 9. There's quite a bit to look at here. It is so rich. There's some parts we'll drill down and others will pass over fairly quickly. Chapter 8, so many voices. Will you listen? Will you listen to Lady Wisdom? Just like we read in chapter 2 and as we just read the first 11 verses of chapter 8. Wisdom is now personified as a woman and she is calling out in the streets. She's calling for an audience. She's going where the people are. She's standing downtown, as it were. She's going to the middle of Walmart. You know, whatever, whatever, however you picture that. She's going to the home football games. She's going where the people gather in the community and she's crying out. Wisdom isn't something we have to go search for. I think if it was, there actually would be a long line of people searching. Isn't that interesting? If you, if the, if the Bible said, okay, there's this mountain over in the Middle East and it's glass strewn. And if you crawl up the mountain on your hands and knees, you will have wisdom. There would be Christians making the pilgrimage. That's where I go. That's what I do. Sign me up. Yes, I'll do it. Here, that's. It's remarkable. It's not found on some mountaintop over there. It's not buried in some cave like in the movies. You've got to go seek it out in that sense. Or more like our day, friends, wisdom isn't found inside of you. You don't need to find yourself to find wisdom. It can't be bought, but it must be sought. It must be received. Wisdom is crying out where the people gather. She finds the simple, the uncommitted, and the not yet hardened fools. Look at verse 5. And she finds them at the crossroads of life. See that there in verse 2. I think in life there's many crossroads where we have to make a decision. Will we seek God's wisdom? And she is there at the crossroads calling out. So she calls out to the high school senior. To you, as you think about moving out on your own, she calls out to you. As you consider starting a relationship or dating, she calls out to you. As you start a new job or a new position, she calls out to you. As you receive an inheritance, she calls out to you. As you struggle to parent a teen, she calls out to you. She's calling out to each one of us. In times of transition, times of decision, times of change, at the crossroads, where do we find But Lady Wisdom there, taking her stand. And what does she say to you? We saw it in verses 6 through 9. Glance down there again with me. What does she say but noble things? What is right? She says the truth. Nothing wicked. Nothing twisted. Nothing crooked. Righteousness. Straight talk. Right words. Let me ask you this, friends. What do you want most in life? What's most valuable to you? Now, the superlatives are always annoying questions. Some of you are wired like me and you think, most? Do I have to say favorite or can I say one of my favorites? Right? I'm I'm always that guy. If you really mean that, you're going to need to give me some time. Because I'm not going to commit to a favorite. I'll say one of our favorites. So what is one of the, what are some of the most valuable things to you? What would your calendar, how you use your time suggest? What would your bank account, your credit card, debit card statement say? Your highest valued thing. 
Friends, want wisdom more than that. Want wisdom more than that, more than money, more than comfort, more than that next shiny thing. Look again at verse 10. Take my instruction instead of silver. Want it more than a Roth IRA set up for retirement, right? Want it more than a new car with all the little features. Just thinking the other day, uh, I have a Camry, not complaining, but I've heard of something called Auto, uh, Android Auto or Apple, whatever, that syncs right up. I still have the tape deck with the cord coming out. Yeah, I'm rolling old school. And I was actually a little discontent the other day as I drove, I was on the highway, I drove by someone and they had like, it looked like a small TV in there. It's like, what are they getting done? Surely their music plays automatically, right? More than, more than that, whatever that is in the moment, whatever that is. Want wisdom more. Knowledge rather than choice gold. Look at verse 11. For wisdom is better than jewels. Do you believe it? Wisdom is better than jewels, better than money, better than security, better than a second home, better than a place up north. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Whatever it is you really want, it cannot compare with this wisdom. It should be that significant to you. It should be that significant to your affections, to my affections. So we might say, okay, where is it found? Crying in the street. Yes. Not up some mountaintop. Praise the where is she to be found? There are so many voices offering so much advice. One of the most annoying things in our times is that people confuse celebrity with wisdom and they ask celebrities to comment on all sorts of things. This guy's good at throwing a baseball and they're asking him about politics. I just that drives me bonkers, right? So, so many voices. You go online, there's podcasters and YouTubers and influencers and media personalities. There's people on TV. There's people writing in magazines. There's singers. Get on your phone. You get on your computer. You talk with a friend. Where is wisdom to be found? In the rest of chapter 8, Lady Wisdom will tell us where to find her. She's not hiding after all. Remember that. She's not hiding. More specifically, she'll tell us what sets her voice apart. In all the noise, what sets Lady Wisdom's voice, what makes her call, her voice, unique? In all the noise, in our culture, in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, what makes hers unique? And the first is her benefits. And then her origin. Notice first her benefits in verses 12 through 21. The image is this. Notice who she hangs out with. Who's she running with? Notice what wisdom brings with her. Her character is unique. Her benefits, her reputation, what she brings is unique. Verse 12. She dwells with prudence. She hangs with knowledge and discretion. She fears the Lord and so has an appropriate hatred of evil. Not just in some kind of vague moral posturing sense. She hates, note the specifics, she hates pride, she hates arrogance, she hates the way of evil, right? The other path at the crossroads, we might say. She, hurt, she hates perverted speech. 
But notice the spring. The spring is the fear of the Lord. Verse 13. Lady wisdom is unique. Many voices are claiming wisdom and calling out. They might hate that group or that idea or that position or that authority or that truth claim. Many people hate. But wisdom hates what God hates. And so wisdom's hatred is righteous. This isn't just kind of moral posturing that the Bible kind of calls us to. Kind of vague, like, oh, yeah, I hate all that stuff, too. We can all get really upset about all that stuff happening out there. Oh, it's quite a bit closer to home, isn't it? Wisdom and pride aren't friends. Hmm. Wisdom and crass jokes, they don't run together. She hates, but her hatred is different from what you see out in the world. It's unique from the other voices today. Hers is right altogether. Look down at verse 14. So the fruit of her character is found in insight, strength. Wisdom is seen, verse 15, verse 16, in strong leadership, governance, just decision making. So order follows wisdom, not chaos, but order. True biblical justice, right? Rooted in God's standards. So Lady Wisdom is unique. She brings blessing to those who love her. Blessing. That's what comes when she comes. Look at verse 17. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. Verse 20, I walk in the way of righteousness in the path of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and fill their treasures. Verse 17, I love those who love me. I give an inheritance to those who love me. She brings blessing to those who love me. Her starts with a, an affection, right? cultivating a level of affection for her. What we read there in verse 17 is that you can't be passive and possess this kind of wisdom. She isn't hiding, but she must be sought. Don't you love that kind of tension? She isn't hiding, but she must be sought. She's calling, but she must be embraced. She must be loved. So look again at verse 17. Those who seek me diligently find me. So if your response to the Bible, if your response to a sermon series through the book of Proverbs isn't diligence, she will pass by you. Or you're going to pass by her as a fool. Diligence will look like asking the God of all wisdom to give you wisdom. Remember James 1? I love these verses. If any of you lacks wisdom, man, I I hope you find yourself in that line. I do more days than I probably feel it, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without a reproach, And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is done. He is uh, double minded, unstable in all his ways. So diligently seeking wisdom means praying in faith, asking God in faith for wisdom. Uh, I hope you have a habit of prayer. My habit of prayer has looked like different things over the years, and sometimes it's struggled to be even a habit. Right now, uh, I use an app, and it just keeps my prayer list. You can use a 3 by 5 card. You could use your brain, I suppose. You could use the prayer sheet that we give out on Wednesday night. You could use the church email. However you do this. And, and so I open uh, my little prayer mate app, and, and I can control you know, things that rotate. So one day I pray for one of my, I don't pray for all six every day. Probably you think I'm unholy, but I try to pray for one every day, right? So it rotates. And, and the first card that comes up is one of praise and thanksgiving and confession. And then when I go into praying for things, there's a little list of three things. Little list of three things. Uh, and, and this just helps me stay, stay on track. I pray for wisdom. I pray for humility and I pray for purity every day. Wisdom and humility and purity. You could have other things. They're not the only good things to pray for. But I try to put James 1 into, into place. I want to diligently seek wisdom. And so that starts with asking the God of wisdom, hey, I, I'm lacking. And I know you give generously, generously to all who ask in faith. And so I believe that you're going to give me wisdom. Specifically, you're going to give me wisdom for this day and its challenges. So diligently seeking wisdom, again, Look at verse 17, Proverbs chapter 8, starts with asking. It'll also look like reading, reading, going to the source of wisdom and considering it, internalizing it, remembering that it's like a Werther's original. And so I need to go into Proverbs and I need to go into the Bible's wisdom and not just have my eyes glance over the page, but to linger over it and eternalize it and reflect on it, meditate on it, taste it, internalize it as my true north. Then we see who else is in Lady Wisdom's circle, verses 18 through 21. Riches and honor and enduring wealth. Righteousness. When we read a section like this, you can imagine with me the ways that this could be misapplied. Some of you are nodding. You've heard sermons like that. Look again at verses 18 through 21. Riches and honor, enduring wealth. Grant, look, look again at verse 21. Granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Mine's called a checking account, and I'm all for filling it, right? You know, we, we, can, we can go there right away and think, okay, I want to encourage you that there's, there's a better way to read that. And I want, to, I want to talk about two primary ways to apply the wisdom that we find here, especially in, in these verses, verses 18 through 21. The first is, is simply this. We've got to remember the context, right? In the book of Deuteronomy, Israel, the nation of Israel, was promised physical, material blessings in the land as they would trust the Lord and walk in his ways. But, of course, they failed to do so. So they also received his promises, not the promises of blessing, but the promises of curse and exile. But then Jesus comes and Jesus is faithful. And he 
We receive our inheritance, really his inheritance, through our union with him. So we have an internal inheritance kept in heaven for us, Peter says. So the material blessings are real, but they're not realized in this life. They're based not on our righteousness, but on Christ, who alone is the very wisdom of God. I think that's a wise way to read this passage in light of all of Scripture. Inheritance, yes. Blessings, yes. Physical blessings, even. Yes. But let's not import all of those into my checking account. Right? That'd be a misreading. But I think there is a secondary way that we should read this. And we'll talk about this in the weeks to come as we consider God's wisdom regarding our finances. Those who fear the Lord will not seek riches for riches' sake, but will seek wisdom and so gain skill for living. And that will often, not always, be accompanied by financial, material blessing. So if you love wisdom, will God fill your checking account? I think that would be a misreading. I want to make that really clear. But if you love wisdom... God's wisdom. And so live with skill, managing your finances in line with the principles of God's word. Will you, in general, know more financial stability and blessing? Yes. Yes, I actually think you will. We'll talk about work and savings and debt in the weeks to come. So we have wisdom's benefits, and they are many But notice also wisdom's origin. What else makes wisdom unique? Not just what runs with her, but also where does she come from? This is verses 22 through 31. Let me begin reading verse 22. We won't read the whole section. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. Wisdom was there at creation, brought forth by God before time and space and matter. Many in the history of the church have have drawn a line from this passage to the New Testament, specifically noticing Lady Wisdom's origin and the origin of the Eternal Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. I'm not sure this passage is talking about God the Father, but I do think that New Testament authors internalized the book of Proverbs. And it became the language with which they taught God's truth under the inspiration of the Spirit. So they understood Jesus not simply as another personification of wisdom, but as wisdom incarnate. Lady wisdom is beautiful in Proverbs, and so she must be sought. But wisdom personified is now in Christ, wisdom incarnate. So we seek wisdom, and that looks like seeking Jesus. Jesus is called the wisdom of God and the wisdom from God, 1 Corinthians 1. Colossians 2 says that, In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Friends, that's Proverbs 8 language. Applied to wisdom incarnate. Jesus Christ. All this builds to the end of chapter 8. We must move on quickly. The final appeal. Pulling together all that's been said of lady wisdom. Look at verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. 
He goes on from there. True wisdom always begins with God and is found only in right relationship to him. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, adoration, love for God, a trust in him, a desire to obey him. They're upstream from true wisdom. So we must come to God for wisdom and we must come to God through faith in Christ, right? Turning from our sin, turning from our foolishness. Only someone who's rightly related to God through faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross can learn God's wisdom to pursue it diligently. Doesn't begin with lady wisdom. It actually begins with wisdom incarnate, Jesus Christ. Only then can we know wisdom, the wisdom that begins with the fear of the Lord. There are so many voices. What sets lady wisdom apart? Well, it's the benefits. It's who runs with her and it is her origin. Ancient of days. But chapter nine, just two choices. Will you feast with lady wisdom? I love the images in this passage and I'm so sad that I've left myself so little time uh, to cover them. Here we go. Uh, just two choices. Will you feast with lady wisdom? We already read this earlier in the service. The final poem of this first main section of the book of Proverbs is so beautiful as it contrasts wisdom and folly. First 12 verses, the last six verses. We have two invitations to two different banquets or feasts. Why is the poem here? Why here at the end of the first main section? Why here right before we begin 10-1 and the Proverbs, the sayings of Solomon? Let me tell you and then try to show you, see if you agree. I think Proverbs 1 through 9 is the preparation of the house where the feast is going to be served. And I think Proverbs 10 and following is the feast itself. So we are being invited to feast on the wisdom of these Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. These short, pithy sayings. Solomon is saying the house has been built. The table has been set. Who are you going to feast with? Will you enter in? Will you feast with lady wisdom? Here comes the rich food. So the structure, I think, in chapter nine is really simple, right? You have wisdom's invitation and then fall's invitation. And each one consists of some similar things, right? There's the preparation. We learn a little bit about the host who's hosting this meal. Is it lady wisdom or is it lady folly? We have the invitation. They actually repeat themselves almost word for word. There's a call to the symbol. There's simple. There's an invitation to eat. And then you have the conclusion. The first being life and the last being death. So they're clearly parallel Two invitations. But I think the key is seeing the contrast. Right? It's easy to see how they're the same. How are they different? And I want to point out a few ways that these two invitations are different. The invitation of Lady Wisdom is twice the space. Double the verses. Twelve verses, Lady Wisdom. Six verses, Lady Folly. And so why is that? Well, the invitation of Lady Wisdom contains a summary of her teaching. So look back in verse 5. After the preparation has been described, 
Chapter 9, verse 1, wisdom has built her house, hewn her seven pillars, prepared the feast. Here comes the invitation, verse 5. Come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. And then in verses 10, sorry, 7 through 10, we have a summary of the teaching culminating in verse 10. So what has been the core message of wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Isn't that what 9.10 says? And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So he says, all right, here's the invitation. Let me summarize what you're being called to. Verses 7 through 10. Double the space. Summary of the teaching. The heart of it in verse 10. And then you find Lady Wisdom telling her own story of the consequences of those who follow her. Look at verse 12. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. It's been said that circumstances are always significant, but never determinative. So the Bible here teaches responsibility, personal responsibility. Yes, you may benefit or you may suffer because of the character of those who are around you. But as one commentator, Derek Kidner says, your character is the one thing you cannot borrow, lend or escape. For it is you. But then there's the invitation of Lady Folly. Talks about the emptiness of her character. Verse 13. Lady Folly is loud, seductive, and knows nothing. Well, that cuts to the chase, doesn't it? Distinct from, but pretty similar to the adulterous woman we met back in chapter 2 and talked about the last few weeks in chapters 5, 6, and 7. There's no mention of her crooked instruction, right? Nothing follows the invitation, the appeal. It's all allure, no substance. It's all looks, no true beauty. She promises down in verse 17, anonymity. But notice the reference. It will not satisfy, right? She'll leave you longing for more and more. She'll entrap, but she will never fulfill. And then the end isn't her telling the truth about where her road leads, but rather Solomon getting in the last word and saying in verse 18, he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Lady Folly will never tell you about the consequences, the regret, the destruction, but Solomon will. God will. The father began his instruction in chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then ends his summary in chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Friends, like this son, you and I this morning are at a crossroads. There's always a decision before us. There's so many voices, but there's really just two choices. Wisdom has built her house. She has prepared her feast. Will you come to her table? And will you feast with Lady Wisdom? Friends, don't remain uncommitted. And so unguarded by her instruction, there is an urgency, there is an importance to the tone of our passage. Friends, will you enter into a relationship with Wisdom? Will you gather around her table? Will you feast on the lavish food 
that she has prepared? Will you enjoy the protection that wisdom brings? Receive the benefit she offers. Don't be the scoffer. Don't be seduced. Commit to wisdom. Lady wisdom today. In Proverbs 1 through 9, that's exactly what we have. House is built. Table is set. Invitations given. Next week, we're going to begin looking at the rest of the book thematically. Lord willing, we'll start in on the feast. The spread in chapter 10 and following is rich. So let me ask you, are you ready? Have you committed to this wisdom to seek her diligently, to walk in her ways? Next week, we will feast on God's wisdom regarding our words. But really the question is, are you ready to receive the wisdom? Are you rightly related to God through faith in Christ? The only way to receive lady wisdom is to begin, to begin with wisdom incarnate, Jesus Christ. So would you come to him, the very wisdom of God, in whom the very treasures of wisdom dwell? Would you receive him by faith, his finished work on your behalf, so that you can begin to build a life of wisdom? Friends, the house is built. The feast is prepared. The invitations have gone out. Where are you going to feast? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it invites us to good things. We were reminded that you are a God of yeses. And that your no's are to protect the better yeses. Yes, there are warnings. Yes, we must deny ourselves. Yes, we must not be seduced. Yes, we must commit to your will and your way. But oh, the benefits that come. Oh, the riches that come when we side with Lady Wisdom. So, Father, we pray that we would hear her call and seek her out. We pray that we would be those who begin with prayer. Oh, Lord, would you give us the wisdom we lack? Would you be, help us to be those who seek it diligently in your word? Not to just graze through it, trying not to be touched, but rather linger and wade and turn it over like a worthers. Father, would you help us to be those that know and internalize the truth? Because we fear the God of truth. Father, we ask now as we continue in worship, as we respond in song, that you would be glorified. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus, our Savior, the wisdom of God. Amen.